Hey, this is Dave. This is Tim. And this is Dave and Tim. No, okay. and Dave. I got Tim and Dave. I, yeah. Yeah, okay. This. Well, we should testing. actually add that into the show. Hello, everyone. Hey, guys. This is Tim. And this is Dave. This is Tim and Dave. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Man, we, uh, oh, man. Man, oh, man. Oh, man, by oh, the man. way. So What's up? What's up? There's actually a couple, well, literally a couple, two things yeah. that I haven't spoken about in regards to my uh, trip that I took that I want to bring up. Yeah. First of all, and this is something that I think you even mentioned on the podcast as a, a television show you like. Yes. yes on my yes. flight back, I, I was able to watch about the first half of the first season of House of Cards. And I know you're very into that show, so great show, great show, great show. Um, the episodes I was liking it up until I stopped watching it. I haven't picked up on it right, here right, right. since I've been away, but it was pretty good. It was decent. Um, good drama, good sent, good like episodic sense. Like mm-hmm. when one episode ends, you want to see the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acting is pretty good. Yeah, d- um, definitely the first season's good. Sometimes I like like you know how he breaks the fourth wall with the narration. That is I, amazing. I, I love it. Like I love it. it. I love it. I, in the, like I love it. it in the beginning where he starts saying things like sometimes you just got to break a dog's neck. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be a topic where I we like discuss uh, today. I, actually, I did like in our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you, you know my feelings your, your about new, animals. Your new um, hobby: breaking dogs. <laughs> yeah, okay. something like that. That's weird. I liked his one speech. Um, the one like fourth wall narrative thing he did about uh, choosing money over power. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Um, no. What is it about? It's about, um, so I guess in the beginning he has this protege who's now working for a high level law firm and he comes to right. badger him about right. how he's not doing legislatively what his backers want him to do, mm-hmm. which they gave him the campaign money to do. Yeah. And then he laments that, um, this guy who he, um, who was in his staff, I guess, and who he sort of mentored left politics to just go into a high paying job right. rather than staying in politics and getting power instead of money so the quote was like such a waste of talent yeah this is it he chose money over power is this town in this town a mistake nearly everyone makes money is a mcmansion in sarasota that starts falling apart after 10 years power is the old stone building that stands for centuries i cannot respect someone who doesn't see the difference yeah that's a nice little uh what's the word monologue oh yeah for Um, sure for sure so it's good. Oh, the um one guy who he's like pulling the strings of is from Philadelphia. You know who I'm talking about? The bold guy uh, who's a coke addict. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, whatnot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he like in throughout the whole series? Or I'm not going to be any spoiler okay, alerts for anybody. I'm sure something happens. Um, um, there was a, yeah. No, I, I, I don't like the relationship with his wife. Is weird. Um, the sexual nature of it. Like, well, well, oh, go on. What's we're, wrong? We're just going to sleep with people if that lets us um, get ahead, but it doesn't count, and we're both going to be open about it, and it's okay. It's, poly- it's, like it's, a, polyam- it's a polyamorous relationship. Disgusting. I, well, it's interesting because I think a lot of people did have that critique of, oh, this is really what politics is all about and uh-huh. things like that. So you're saying it's an analogy? No, I think, I know, but it's interesting because they say a lot of House of Cards is uh-huh. real. It, like, it happens like all the time. Well, I bet that happens in D.C., all those gen- degenerate sex freaks well, up what there. I'm, well, what I'm saying is, is that when it comes down to, like, I don't know, like, um, uh, to that stuff, they said that that's not as cutthroat i mean like they say there's like the whole blackmailing stuff but uh-huh. not necessarily all sexual things like that like, yeah, yeah it's interesting seeing that aspect of it one of my favorite quotes though is um um okay uh, it was about the i don't know if you've gotten to it yet the uh roman Le- it's about a roman leader uh, i don't think so it doesn't sound familiar uh what's he say sula sula, sula and young and marius young, um so 
bear with us, uh, listeners. We're just trying to look up this quote. Sulla is actually a pretty interesting character. So Marius was um, so Marius came before Sulla. Sulla was his um, underling in some in the Latin Wars, which were the wars where um, the other cities of Italy tried to rebel against Rome because they wanted more rights. Mm-hmm. And Marius came about was a very successful politician. He was a plebeian, a rich plebeian, but still a pl- plebeian. And he was a populist, and he tried to get into power and obtain influence by you know wielding the urban mobs against the upper classes. Right, and he reduced a lot of uh, property restrictions in the mm-hmm. army and generally made the political system right. more open to the lower classes or at least the less privileged rich people. Right. And Sulla was sort of the conservative reaction against him. Yeah, so Sulla was a younger of the two. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Marius was the one who was older. And eventually Marius did win. Um, Sulla won in the end. They kind of like went back and forth. Sulla really? Sulla won in the end. Well, here's the quote. I, I don't know. Maybe you're more up to do with it. But um, so... Francis Underwood's like an older gentleman in the sh- in the series, uh-huh. and he's talking about like what it takes in, uh, to be powerful. And so, long story short, he says like all these young people try to take power, but they don't know they don't have enough experience to do it. So he says, when the Roman general Sola, who was about the same age as I am now, oh yeah, Sola was the older one, um, Mar- Marius was the younger one. I want to look this up, so, but you read this quote. Uh, so when the Roman general Sola, who was about the same age as I am, marched on Rome to purge the city of usurpers, it was a bloodbath. His greatest rival was a young man named Marius, who was just 26 years old. And after Sola had him killed, he held his head up in the forum and looked into the boy's dead eyes and said, First, you must learn to pull an oar. Only then can you take the helm. I love that quote. Okay, so Sulla born between 88 and 80 BC. Let's try to find Marius. So the premise... Marius born between... Marius, hold on. Marius born 157 BC. Sulla born 88 BC. Sulla was decidedly the younger of the two. Marius came first. Sulla was the reaction. This is very bad history on the part of this freaking show, I've well, got to tell you. I, I will say I this. I knew my chronology on that couldn't have been wrong, because Sulla, Sulla outlasted Marius by a lot. Um, Julius Caesar was actually prosecuted when he was a very young man under Sulla. He was able to get away from it. Sulla wanted to kill right, him. Right. And the famous, like the first like famous quote about Caesar was Sulla said he saw many Amarius in him. Well, I think, I think too, I think I did look this up once upon a time. It was like misquoted or something. Not misquoted, but I think they switched the peoples up incorrectly for some uh-huh. reason or other. Um, but I think it's important for us to realize that you have to know how like fight in the trenches before yeah. you can leave. Uh-huh. And I think that's an also, it's a good understanding of growing up and being able to to do good things i think you need experiences being the head of something i mean excuse me you need experiences working from uh under somebody to be able to lead properly yeah i think uh a lot of people are Riker and uh what's his name uh picard Picard, exactly Uh you know you need a first in command and second in command i think it's important too for us to realize that we need those experiences in our lives to be subservient Mm. but at the same time we must be you know I think I think we need a good leader to be able to do that yeah. as well. So what happened with the dog's neck? What? This is how it came about. You were talking about a dog's neck. Oh no, that was a beginning scene quote from. Oh okay, I thought this was built into. No, no this is okay, just one of his okay. quotes that it was good. I gotcha. Even though it's totally a historical. Pro- yeah, this is definitely a historical. Yeah, like shockingly a historical. Well, I think oh, well. We, I think we looked into it more. We could figure it out why Maybe. they did what they did. But the point is, is that I think too is like having a good leader to fall under is important as well. If like, yeah. you don't have somebody that you can 
respectfully say is like a person that you want to fight with or fight for. Mm-hmm. I think I think that kind of puts a damper on certain things. Yeah. Speaking of being a good leader, what's that? So, ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, we're talking about Donald Trump. No, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen of the podcast. Yes. Typically, when we Tim and I going through our banters, we mm-hmm. like to be pretty transparent. And if we yes, if we uh-huh. got something wrong. We like we to admit it. No. Okay. Yeah. What so, did we get wrong? So Tim, you know, I'm going to be the bigger man here, and I'm going to okay. admit when I'm wrong. That would be the first time. Okay. If we're talking about, go ahead, go ahead. Last week we we had a discussion about something, a very serious topic matter mm. that I think is important for our viewers to to our listeners to 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 take into consideration. Was this the ice cubes? Everything that we discuss here is an important factor in the things that we believe in, and I got it wrong. Mm. I got something wrong. Yeah. You can order Grubhub and not pay delivery oh, fee I if know. you pick things up. I know. Okay. I just, just I, I just figured that out. You okay. don't have to tell okay. me because okay. I know. I, I, I said that that was not true. Uh-huh. I want to admit that I'm wrong. Okay. I think it's important that we're transparent about when we're wrong about things. Mm. I did. I was wrong about Nietzsche the one time. That one time, yes. I mean, Grubhub's a little more important, but it's about <laughs> equal. <laughs> so I did order something from the best place in town in Westchester. What's that? You, you can get a panini. Where's uh, that? Amores. Oh, that, that's best, the best. P- best panini in town. They have I, really I, good pizza. They have really good great pizza. food. I like the family business run model. Mm. Um, I think one of the best pizzerias in town. Um, but I ordered a uh, pickup, and I didn't have to pay delivery fee. Yeah, I know. Now I, I don't. I'm pretty sure the prices were the same on the Grubhub site. A lot of the times they are. Sometimes you might find they're not. But yeah, sometimes they're a little bit more expensive. I know that there are places like Calios. Calios is like a crappy strum- um, calzone uh, chain. Yeah. But some, but they're the only place that's open until three in the morning okay. or four in the morning. <laughs> okay. Um. So. I have to admit, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize. You can order Grubhub food for pickup without paying a deli- or without paying the, the fee. All right. So, well, now our listeners have the real story, and they can order the li- their lives accordingly. Yes, I, because I, this is probably causing a lot of um, a lot of tumult to our listeners. Probably. They're like they're thinking, "I'm hungry, but I can't order Grubhub. I trust David. I don't even need, need to look at the website. I wonder, I trust David. More. I wonder if we can get like." Like um, a sponsorship for Grubhub. So, like, if you use our code name, huh. you know, you, you, we get... It seems very unlikely. <laughs> I'm going to look this up. So, ladies and gentlemen, put that on our to-do list of figuring out whether or not we can get a Grubhub code with All the right. Tim and Dave show and us getting some sort of kickback if you use that code for your Grubhub purchase. All right. That'd be pretty, sweet. Pretty happy about that. I do that. have the the other thing I wanted to bring up about my trip. Because, oh, yes, yes. So, in Paris, there were... You know the people over here, they're standing on the street corners, not what you're thinking of, but they're standing on the street corners, okay. and when you walk by, they have some cause, and they want you to sign your name to some crappy petition, right? No, I did not see that, but go really? on. Really? They're all over the place. Didn't see it. Okay, anyway, this is something that happens a lot in American cities. Yes, it so does. So, there were these people in Paris also, but they were so aggressive. Oh. And the thing is, they wanted donations. Like I'm like I'm walking down and this person walks up to me with their freaking piece of paper, yeah. sign your name, sign your name. Right. I'm used to it here in America. Normally I walk past them, but yeah. there I'm like, I'm a foreigner, I should be more polite than usual. <laughs> so I sign my name and then like the paper you see next to your signature, it asks for how much you're donating. So it's like they're trying to trick you. Like oh. you think you're just signing your name. Right. But once you've actually signed your name, you're like, oh wait, I just agreed that I'm gonna donate. <laughs> of course it's not binding. You right. can just be an asshole and just walk away. Tim Screw you. Tim but, Tim not <laughs> zero. <to write> zero. <laughs> but like obviously when you see that, you're like, Okay, I'm gonna pay the least amount possible, like one euro or fifty whatever yeah, or whatever. 50 right? Whatever, yeah. And then when you do that, they're like, It's so little. This isn't you must pay more. And, like, even when you try to walk away, they, like, kind of follow you, like, please, sir, it's so, so small amount. <laughs> like, <laughs> I 
it's such a small amount. These people on the corners <laughs> saying it's so small. <laughs> Many parallels to other. And they're not. They're not French though. They're, they're the gypsies, probably, right? No, they were French. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. I knew gypsies would sometimes get t- crazy mad if you didn't give them enough money. Yeah. And it's like, yo, just and I just start, started just ignore them, just whatever. I just yeah. don't, don't talk to strangers, Timmy. That's the moral of the story. This is uh, we're getting way into gypsy hating territory. It's not that I hate podcast. gypsies or anything. It's like <laughs> any other people that live on the you know on the other side of the law sometimes to make uh-huh. their money. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like there's a survival mechanism that sometimes is a costatory, mm-hmm. and I just don't want to get involved with it. It's like, come on, dude. Like I just don't feel like dealing with it right now. Like, I can't save everybody. You know That's what I'm saying? That's true. Speaking about saving everybody okay. or any th- everything. Everything is just... So last night at 12, 11.30, I texted Tim. Uh-huh. And I was like, what is wrong <laughs> with this country? And in the text, I had a news article that I was just randomly came across on uh-huh. BBC. Okay? And I just, you know, I know, I know, I'll be the first to admit here that I, I have a penchant for being a little bit less sympathetic towards certain causes. Yeah. Um... Specifically, the one where we start valuing the lives of animals before we value the lives of human beings. Mm. And this is under science and environment. It was also under social issues in BBC. And, it's, and, the, and the headliner is this tackling the canine obesity <laughs> crisis. So let me interject. You sent this text to me at like 11.45. I yeah. was asleep at that point. <laughs> I like woke up around 12.30 and noticed the alert on my phone, and I clicked on it. The first thing I, I saw was your last text, which says, my God, what's the world coming to? And I'm just waking up, so my brain is groggy, and I'm like, wow, is this something serious? Something going down? And then I saw the next text, tackling the canine <laughs> obesity crisis. <laughs> and it was... <laughs> And I knew, like, this is the exact thing that would piss you and you specifically off. Uh, so that was funny. Oh, my God. What is your problem, America? Literally, people are starving to death, and you're spending <laughs> hundreds, if not millions of dollars to s- discover why dogs are getting fat. First off... Who gives a crap whether your dog is fat or not? Second off, if it's that big of a deal, stop feeding it so much garbage. I mean, seriously. Like, is it? I honestly don't think. And uh, this is an issue about the g- genetic disposition of a freaking Labrador Retriever and whether they have a complacency of always being hungry. No, I think <laughs> it's more of a problem with society. You have a problem not to be able to connect with human beings, so that you have an issue that you need to go buy a freaking animal to feel that you actually have some sort of of, of of reason to live and furthermore you're so upset by the idea of it ever dying slash leaving that you overcompensate with the need for love by giving them a, a copious amounts of food in their stupid bowl you're the reason why your dog is obese has nothing to do with genetics but yeah BBC has to have his hired PhD to research why dogs are eating too stupid much they're stupid dogs are you having an issue with your own self that you can't realize that you're the reason why your dog is suffering from obesity furthermore who cares if they are like honest to god there are children dying out there from hunger there is there are world wars starting in this goddamn god dang world and you have a freaking disposition to want to be talking about this this is the main issue with your life you are the problem with america 
Jesus. Okay. Well, I mean, Christ. we've we've gone over the uh, I just problem th- with humans and obesity on this podcast. Yes. So it only makes sense that the dogs would follow suit. Well, I think that's fair. Human and dog have co-evolved together. I guarantee together. you, any this article yeah. was based on a, in a first world country. And you, oh, of course. Yeah, I don't think third world country dogs are freaking dying from obesity. Most likely not. Probably ringworm. Okay. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like seriously, like this is just this is just nonsense. So I want to bring up something in your rant that I think touches the core of why this subject of animal and man bothers you so much. Okay, go on, Tim. You talked about, you got very animated over people having animals specifically because they can't connect to humans. Okay. In your opinion, is this something that has always been the case? Or do you feel that this is becoming more prevalent? People are unable to connect with humans. I think... Okay, let me, let me, you know, usually when and why I, do you think people are increasingly less likely to connect with humans I don't, and have to resort to animals? I think animals had a place and purpose in our societies many millennia ago, okay? We don't need animals to shoot. I'm pro-dog. Okay. I'm going to drop that Tim, right now. Tim, Tim has like this stupid little little freaking <laughs> bumper sticker, I'm pro-dog, or... <laughs> Or one of those little buttons that he wears on his like lapel when he goes to work. I'm pro dog. Like, or I'm he's on a dog. date. He's on. He's on a date with somebody, and so it's so like his girl's like. So Tim, tell me about yourself. I'm so pro he, just, dog. he puts his hand on his chin and says, "I'm pro dog." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so stupid. Um, I think <laughs> you should have saw his face, ladies and gentlemen, when he said it. Like he's deeply looking into my I'm, eyes, like it's, it's some tr- political sort of like ideology. I, I think like, it's very important. Pro dog. So I think animals, especially dogs, had a purpose in our society many millennia ago. Hmm. And I think the idea of having a dog helped with you know your own livelihood or protection or or what have you. Nowadays, I don't think anyone really. I think there's a very few people use animals as a form for their daily lives. That's not to say, like for example, um, like seeing eye dogs. Uh-huh. Like the, I, I, obviously, those are important aspects of our life, and we should continue to to advocate for those sorts of services for the individuals with uh, hard of uh, hearing or hard of seeing. Um, but the point is, is that, um, for the vast majority of people, they own dogs for leisure. Okay. Uh-huh. They buy it cause they don't need it cause they just want an animal. Okay. The question comes down to is why, why do we need to Man have, has always had pets as long as civilization has been around. But they had pets for reasons. They, but I guarantee they had it for reasons, but they still developed a bond with those animals. Because they helped them survive. Yeah, and even though... No. Yes. Because I of guarantee that, you, a nomadic just, individual would not have an extra mouth to feed just so it was a cute little thing to hug at night. Yeah, but at a certain point, especially in more advanced societies... Advanced. They stopped becoming yes. so ne- necessary. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. But even though they started being kept for reasons of necessity... People developed a bond with these animals and wanted to continue the bond. I think it's an unhealthy bond. I don't think so. I think so. it actually is counterintuitive to... I disagree. I think it's counterintuitive to living uh, a, 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 a productive life. I think it hinders a person's ability How? to live productively. How? How? Why can't you find that bond with the, with the person? Well, First many off. people so are... Second off, second off, why can't we also spend the money and resources that you have right there and try to have it for something else that's a little bit more productive for living, breathing okay. human beings? Well, many people have... They're married, they have a family, and they have a dog. So having a pet doesn't necessarily mean you can't have a connection with another human or it doesn't hinder you from having such All a right, connection. All right, maybe maybe I'm being a little bit too accusatory about whether or not a person can't connect with people just because they have animals. I think in the end of the day, I just think that – I, I, I believe that – I think 
this overcompensation of want for an animal. Okay, uh-huh. it, there, there's something there's something underlying there. I think the energy can be used for something completely more productive. Again, I know that one social justice movement isn't as better as one so other social justice movement, but I'm sorry when when a PhD is being using their intellect and knowledge to figure out whether or not why a dog has obesity problems. It's just I just feel like it's such a waste of well. There's a lot energy. of you know. There's a lot of PhDs out there, and a lot of them research very marginal things like sequencing the genomes of Egyptian cats or something. And yeah, that at least I mean, sounds a little bit maybe interesting. It just sounds but, stupid to me. The only, like, like the think only... of that and then imagine something a million times less interesting. That's what PhDs are working on now. Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, the only thing I can find positive about this is this. Maybe this is a guise to use animals as experimentation to figure out how to quell obesity. And if we are able to do so in dogs, perhaps maybe we can do the same thing for humans. Now, I know the whole idea of don't test animals is like a big thing, and I understand that to a certain degree. And I don't... I don't advocate for inhumanely treating animals for experimental purposes, but I don't uh, disagree that I think that animals should be used in experiments to some sort of degree. I just that's my personal opinion on the matter. Point is, is that perhaps this is just a guy saying, "Oh yeah, there's a problem with dogs and obesity." You know, mm. blah blah blah. Let's do, let's figure this out. I love dogs. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> and it's just some stupid excuse to use that as a means to experiment to see if they can find cure for obesity. And then they can say, "Oh, you know, we just love our dogs so much." Oh, by the way, we figured out how to clear obesity with human beings. Well, they just need to eat less. The yeah. dogs and the humans. Like, that's it. <laughs> thank, thank you, Professor. Thank You're you, welcome. Professor. Speaking of... Um, probably less plastic, too. Have you ever eaten dog meat? No, actually, I have not. I haven't. I kind of want to try it. I do, too. I've probably eaten Probably not very I've good. I've eaten a horse. I was horse. Uh, very stringy. Dr- no, dry, dry. dry and salty. Hmm. I had I'd imagine Japan. dog would be the same, because they're so, like, muscled up and whatnot. It depends. I know, probably I know not in much Korea, they, in they actually breed a specific type of dog like, to, eat. to eat. It's not hmm. like they just eat like any old dog. Yeah. They, they specifically breed a specific type of dog like we would breed a, a chicken or, yeah. or, or, a, or a goat or whatever or hmm. a pig. So speaking of uh, of jobs that have no purpose whatsoever. Okay. Uh, so this guy, as I said, was researching about this uh, – dog obesity crisis that's not really a crisis and uh this is just to me this just sounds like first world problems and that you guys should really be investing in helping out people not freaking stupid animals um sorry if i offend anybody who are listening who loves their animals i just I, i'm sorry like tim has a lot of on pc thoughts this is my big on PC <laughs> thought like i'm okay. sorry i can't do it i just can't this is as hardcore as you go this is as hardcore as i go um uh, there was a new phase that uh, phrase that I was looking up and I was interested about because I was getting kind of disillusioned about the workforce, etc. Oh, really? Uh, and it was about bullshit jobs. Oh my gosh, David! Uh, you really? I, no, no, no. That's the actual. That's the actual uh, academic term. It's called bullshit jobs. Well, it's not an academic term. Well, it's, David, uh, it's a term of polemic that this David Graeber character. So David, uses. so David Graeber is a uh, anthropologist, uh-huh. and or is he sociologist? He's so, an anthropologist. He's an anthropologist, and he starts to discuss things about what. Um, what work is in modern society, what work has become, and how some jobs are just bullshit and they shouldn't exist, and they're just uh-huh. there just to have people work just for yeah. the sake of working. Uh, have you looked into this much, Tim? I mean, I've read the, on, on this topic fairly extensively. I read his famous essay. I'm not sure how much value there is in it. Okay, so it's obviously this isn't going to be the case for lower-end jobs. Why is a big corporation going to outlay significant resources for a bunch of lower level people to just have jobs for no reason 
Like, that's stupid. I mean, the, you know, structural Marxist argument is, oh, the businesses have a class interest to all get in cahoots and keep people employed in crappy jobs, even though they don't need them and we produce enough that they could still consume and whatnot without those jobs, because we need to keep them as obedient workers so that the capitalist system continues to perpetuate itself, blah, blah, blah. That Like, that structural explanation makes no sense at all. You don't think that they purposely just make people do no. work so that they can just control the masses? No. I think there's a part to that, but go on. I don't think so, because there's, so. There, there's enough incentive for any individual company to say, I'm not going to be part of this. I'm not going to continue to pay workers for doing nothing. I'm just going to keep it in profits. Well, the, his argument, is too, is that an executive is only worth as much as how many people working under him. Oh, no. Executive overcompensation is a major, major, major legitimate issue, and basically economic um, literature totally agrees that executives are wildly overpaid. It really has no impact on performance, and top executives really aren't that important at all, well, but they I'm still saying. get paid vast That's what I'm songs. saying. They want to make sure how many people are below them so that they can keep that BS job mm. they have. That's, that's one of the arguments he uses. He says the reasons a lot of times your job exists uh-huh. is because the guy above you wants his job to exist. Okay, I see where you're getting And at. you have to exist for that to happen because if there isn't enough of you under mm-hmm. him people are going to say what do you really do then and then he's all like oh but then when people ask what does he do and there's uh-huh. 50 people under him i manage 50 people yeah well, what okay. does he do well he does this well what does she do well she does that and no one's going to ask what all 50 people do then write a report about what they all do uh-huh. and write an even bigger report to say what is anyone doing because that takes too much time and the profits of the company are still there so then they're going to say you know what whatever's going on keep it the same way you're doing a great job you know what I, I mean? think that's one sense of that incentive exists, can exist to some extent. But also at the same time, I mean, you always hear these stories about how executives are getting their bonuses because they just laid off a bunch of people and that means they can cut costs and yada yada. So that ex- incentive also exists. Well, I think another t- thing, too, is to have all these like people that really don't need to have these jobs to be around because they can be, you know, Well, Nate, give, me some, give me some jobs. Well, I, I mean, a lot of it's office jobs, to be uh-huh. honest with you. Like, I write reports that then we discuss at meetings, but then mm. they don't go anywhere. That's the thing. I have no real hands-on, on-the-ground floor experience with office jobs, so I can't say one That's way That's the thing, because you and I are in different professions. Yeah. We In our professions that we do, well, they argue, the argument is this. So... Mm. You get paid a good salary, but there's no incentive for you to keep that job in the sense of intrinsic feeling of accomplishment. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So you are not you are punished with having a I you you are punished for a good pay, well paying job, uh, with the uh, understanding that your job has no meaning. Okay. Uh-huh. And then the culture is that you're a good worker because even though your job has no meaning, you are still working. You are a good person. Okay. I mean that that's a cultural yeah, uh, that's- understanding. Understanding that of, exists of a puritanical idea of. I don't work. think it's puritanical. I, I think, think there's so. some sense to it, but I mean, I think in all cultures, people who don't work and just live off others, and even though they could work, are looked down upon, and that has there's a well, moral dimension to that in all cultures. Well, whether they're Protestant or Catholic, these jobs maybe get, not in Greece, but most other places. these jobs get paid good salaries. Uh-huh. Like you know, you have your corporate American mm-hmm. BS jobs that have no meaning. You, your yeah. job is nothing. Uh-huh. 
This is what his argument is. I'm not saying that your job means nothing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm yeah. just saying this is what David Graeber has been saying. And then the flip side of that is if you have a people-oriented job, like a social worker, an mm. educator, a health professional, depending on what you're doing, you work longer hours, uh-huh. you get paid less for what you do, and you get burnt out. But you have a more fulfilling occupation. But the downside to that is, is that you have to then sacrifice money for self uh self uh um actualization exactly exa- exactly so that's the two-sided coin and a lot of the uh people that were on occupy wall street uh-huh. were care professionals and uh-huh. a lot of them were actually women uh-huh. so it's interesting to see that that where that's where the the, the bone of contention lies is if mm-hmm. you want to have a fulfilled in, in your job you must sacrifice income for that that was that's part of your payment being self-fulfilled yeah. uh-huh but if you do not want to have uh, to worry about your family and poverty and things of that nature, you have to sell out, have a job that has little to no meaning, mm-hmm. but you get the paycheck with it. So there's a corruption of what work is and what we justify as proper, comparable pay for that work in America. Mm-hmm. And that's what David Graeber has been, you know, espousing. Okay, if the argument is there's uh, okay, if the argument is that how much someone gets paid in a job isn't morally or socially proportionate to how much actual value, however you want to define correct, that, correct. the job has. Okay, I agree with that a million thousand percent. But that's not the bullshit job argument. The bullshit job arg- arg- argument is apparently we have these vast numbers of jobs mm-hmm. that shouldn't exist. And it's not just the rich CEOs, but these are you know jobs everyday people might have correct. that simply shouldn't exist. And there's some big Marxist structural forces at work that perpetuate the existence of these jobs to, you know, uphold the um, hierarchical social economic system. Well, that argument, for me to buy it, you're going to have to give me a long list of jobs that are bullshit and told and t- explain to me why they exist and how we can do without them. I'm not talking about the CEOs and whatnot, but I, I get why we can do without right, those. Right, right, right. But as far as the mass number of jobs occupied by, you know, working class or middle class people well, a lot of going times, about their day-to-day lives, companies, you're going to have to tell me what those jobs are. A lot a lot of times companies instead of solving the real problem uh-huh. structurally because it would take too much time money and effort mm-hmm. they just hire people to to um take care of the effects of the problem okay that's true and that's bs that's yeah. a bs job and the people that are doing the job say uh this could okay be that's easily... a, that's a bullshit job but it's not like that the job doesn't provide any value and shouldn't exist on itself those people are still solving a problem and performing an important function. It's an inefficiency because it could be done in a better way. And then on but t- it's yes. not a bullshit job because they're still doing something. Well, semantical that needs to be done. in anything. I mean, everyone's doing something. But well, then th- everything's a bullshit job because in a perfect world we'd have one machine that was. Well, that's a thing. To make everything well, we need well to. obviously, yes. If we want to look at that in like a hyperbolous way, but I think the bone of contention lies in that. We don't have a machine that does that, uh-huh. but we do have solutions to things that people are doing jobs to fix that could just totally eliminate any of their abilities to be in those positions to just put a little bit of tape on the boo-boo, okay? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Then they have the idea that there is actually a solution. It's just that corporate CEOs don't want to actually solve the problem. Um, another idea, too, is that the the overwhelming amount of bureaucracy has been increasing throughout the years, yeah, that's especially true. in the healthcare profession. Mm-hmm. I read one statistic that says one hour of work for a specialized doctor requires two hours of paperwork afterwards. Uh-huh. There's a, a, a gross... And that's am- happening everywhere, especially in education. Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Much of course. There's far too much bureaucracy. And the question is, does that bureaucracy equate to higher GDP? Mm-hmm. And they've actually found that yeah, it has yeah. absolutely no correlation at all. Education doesn't even have that much correlation to GDP beyond basic literacy. 
Well, basic literacy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Actually, uh-huh. if you make and there has been studies that shows if you're able to give um, a, a person the ability to read and write, mm-hmm. the economics of that area or that that county that or state or whatever oh, yeah. increases big, exponentially. And not just be able to read ABCs, but actually be a literate human being. Basic basic literacy has enormous effects. Um, all the literature that I've seen, um, you they can't really isolate a good effect from going from say a basic early middle school education to a full secondary education eh, seems we don't, we're not sure whether that has any economic effects well there's no well there, I, the, the, the literature i've read is that is purely if you get a person above an eighth grade reading level uh-huh. and are able to pass and graduate through high school that 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 the economic um uh what do you call it for uh what the I'm economic sure. fer- ferility uh virility no i'm not sure what you're thinking of it's good economic oh, life, good. economic the goodness. No, I'm, I really you're, don't. You're know terrible. What you're you're a terrible about. human being. The economic ability in that area uh-huh. increases. Okay. That's a stupid way of putting it. Point is, you educate people, you, you invest in education, it goes well for everybody. Um, but back to bureaucracy. So the bureaucracy uh, paperwork has increased exponentially, and they say it's continuing to increase to a point where. All that time spent doing paperwork could be spent doing things that actually matter. Uh And could we then argue that because of the lack of innovation that's taking place because everyone's doing all this busy work to keep people in their seats to say the status quo, the Mm -hmm. rich stay rich, the proletariat proletariat stays as proletariats. If we keep people just doing busy work all day and no innovation is happening, you keep the status quo where at least I have a house, at least I have a car, at least I have a job, at least I have food. And the elite say, well, at least I'm on top. I can do whatever I want. I can buy uh-huh. whoever I want. Um, and everything stays the same. Is that healthy for a country? Is that healthy for the world when we could have people who are going into the finance industry because mm-hmm. there's money there instead yeah. of the science industry where they can actually solve world problems? I think there's a problem with the incentive in our culture where we want to be able to produce uh, institutions and policies that generate wealth and revenue for a few amount of people. But instead of actually aspiring to help the whole world by initiatives through R and D research, uh, you know, research and development mm-hmm. for for science and other things, I think uh, they say a lot of the times bank. Um, Another thing that David Graeber said that was, I think eighty five percent of all the profits that go into most banking facilities are uh-huh. due to fees. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Eighty five percent. So they put up rules for you to follow that yeah. we, that nobody in the world could ever follow. Every exact. I'd be, spe- see, I'd be really surprised if it were eighty five percent. I'd like to see the figures. All right. Well, that's what his it argument seems a was. lot to me. All that's his argument. And uh-huh. then, but, but here's the here's the here's the mind blowing. Well, thing. okay. What kind of fees do we mean? Because some Late banks fees. Okay, uh, some banks charge flat fees just to have an account. Yeah, and that's exactly. what you're paying for all the that service. All, all that's not the something service, you're doing. The service to have my money in a stupid account. Yes. Oh man. And that is a service. That's not a service. They set up like the electronic payment system. Oh, they man. Oh, man. So we're giving people capital so they can use to be able to put investments into the wider scheme of things so that uh, more capital. Okay, you think like debit cards are like no big deal that we have those? You think I, credit cards no, are like no, no big no, deal? No. It, I think it's it, it, like, it doesn't free. take completely expertise free. Comple- completely to free. Do. It should be completely free. What do you mean it should be completely free? They, have to, the design, they have to design the software. They have to design the hardware. They have to administer the hardware. They have there to make sure no it continues to work. They have to keep getting on top of security issues because hackers and other organizations yeah. are constantly as, as, as trying if, yeah, to... It as works. As if, it works. Does it work? Is that, did yeah. it work with Equifax? 
When's the last time did you, it work with that? One hundred and fifty thousand of one hundred fifty so? million people. Of Social Security, yeah. birth dates, names so? have all been stolen from Equifax. What these 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 fees that we're paying aren't paying for squat, yes, Tim? Pay- okay, that's so stupid. Of course they're paying for stuff. There's always going to be breaches. Things are going to happen. I thought you said that they were trying Even to. Bre- I thought that's where my fees went, Tim, to make sure does. those breaches it don't does. happen. When's the last time five hundred dollars vanished out of your account because an Uzbekistani hacker got in there. Loads of times. I, Loads I, I of had, times you've had $500 go to your Uzbekistani t- t- hacker. I put money into an account that went into another person's account because uh-huh. the banker messed up. And when I realized there was $1,000 missing from my account. Uh-huh. Human I, error happens. Okay, fine. Human error one. Then uh-huh. why is it in one year, three times my credit card information and my debit card information was stolen from me, even how though I had know, the physical how card? How do you know you were among them? Did they like send you a letter? Yeah. By the way, Dave, someone's been using your credit card numbers. Is this you? No, I'm not buying gas in Louisiana. Okay, so also what they've done is they now... I didn't in- know Tim was such a backer of the banks. I'm Jesus. not. I mean, I'm really guys, not. But- Tim, Tim, this is a new revelation for me. Tim's just Believe like... Believe me. Tim's just petting the backs of all the bankers like, oh, you're a good boy. Don't worry. Okay, listen. Don't you worry. know what? Believe Give me that me. penny coat you got going Believe on Believe me, there. I'm Ooh. not. But Let me sign there's your a lot of people you. out there who have these ideas and notions and they're a little utopian in their thinking. No, it's not. And they don't really understand how things actually the work. The banks aren't doing Here's anybody any favors. Here's what, they're, yeah, they are. They're doing a lot of people favors. Yeah, with Here's, the money that I gave them to use to invest in other people's money ideas. Uh-huh. That's That That was the exchange. Not, the exchange was, of, not really. here is my money. I gave you $100,000 to put in this bank account. Uh-huh. You can now use that money to give a person a loan sort to of. buy a house. Okay? That was the exchange. In exchange now, I'm going to use all your crap services that don't protect my identity at all. Yes, they do. No, they do not. Your identity hasn't been stolen. If there weren't incredibly sophisticated hardware and software initiatives to keep your identity from being stolen, it would have been stolen 10 times over, and Uzbekistanis and freaking Moroccans would be getting dollars and cents out of your account every single all day. All I'm saying is... Uh, I don't think that the fees that they give to put money in a bank should be there. Anyhow. Okay, that's not all you're saying. You're making an incredibly bold and radical statement. Basically, you're saying banks don't deserve to be paid for the services they provide. That's not just saying. That's like, wow. Yeah, when I take out a loan, they take out interest in that loan. There you go. That was a Uh service fee. There you go. Uh Okay, that that, that they made their money off of my poverty. There you go. Yeah, okay. That's all they need. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So who's going to be the guy to reorganize the banking system equitably? You? No. What do you know? Tim, I don't care. Tim, I'm not asking to reorganize the banking fee. I'm just saying that the majority of the profits that come from banks are stupid fees. A lot of the fees are unjust. You're right. But I mean, so like here's the a argument. flat account fee to have. No, no, a... That's stupid. I don't think that's, that's, that's stupid. I, I I act, I mean, ladies and gentlemen of America of... and the world, you should not be paying banks for them to take your money and put it in an account so that they can use your money to make more money for themselves. I'm sorry. No. That is not how it should work. Okay, they provide a lot of services. They didn't. I didn't say they didn't provide a lot of services. I shouldn't have a freaking pay of them to be able to put money into a freaking pot of other monies for them to use and spend so that they can put it in subprime mortgage loans uh-huh. and then bundle it up to stockbrokers and investment hedge funds so that then they can all blow up and in 2008, everything dies. Yeah. 
Well, I what I do agree with is... And furthermore, actually, I read an interesting argument about this, mm. actually, about the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah. It turns out that the majority of the defaults that oh, came I know about, what you're talking this about. Yeah. did not come from people that did not have the ability yeah. to pay back uh-huh. money that were low-income individuals for these quote-unquote subprime loans. Yeah. It's these disgusting, fat cat pieces of garbage that were flipping houses unrecordably and saying, you know what? We can't do this anymore. It's not going to make me money anymore. I'm going to default on all my loans. Yeah. That's why um, the 2008... One second, Timmy. The, Timmy, this is why the 2008 financial crisis took place. It wasn't because of all these dirty, ugly, awful, poor people that can't afford to pay their house mortgage. It was these disgusting fat cat bureaucrats and all these individuals that were using monies from the bank to flip houses to make more money. All that HGTV BS TV flipping cool crap. All these idiots were spending their spending money like this and then they had to default. These rich people defaulted on the loans and that's why America went under. Not because of us. Not because of the regular Joe. Not because of the middle class or the lower class is because of the fat cat bureaucratic pieces of garbage they're the reasons why the economy went down don't you ever be fooled otherwise look it up look it up it's it it wasn't all rich house flippers um in general majority of them were um well no it was well what the data say is that during the housing collapse and the lead up to the housing collapse the increases on defaults for those with high credit scores grew more than the increase Correct. in defaults for those with low credit Correct. scores. And you can ex- extrapolate to basically the conclusion you came to. Now, it's not just the rich house flippers. It's also a lot of like middle-class people who took out um, home equity loans to like renovate or get an addition to their house. That's a major factor also middle class people who took out home equity loans to do renovations or whatever but it's it goes against the narrative that the poor were stupid yeah and that's took not out true loans. That, that's not the explanation exactly you're right and that's the narrative that was used for almost 10 years yeah that's what that, that's the republican narrative years uh-huh. that was used yeah well, okay it was always and then they just came out with this true. report uh-huh. about the credit score and it turns out no it wasn't our fault mm-hmm. okay it was those who were trying to make money off of which were the banks were in cahoots with and took care of them because i guarantee you those rich fat cats they got off away with it scott clean okay yeah, that's true and then we the american people had to deal with it in the end and we're still dealing with it with now with with, uh, with our student loan interest rates increased during that time period higher than they ever have ever and because of us our generation is now having to deal with that the job market is still garbage inflation still garbage our, if the job market was still garbage i could get my cheese sliced right no the point it's the job market's garbage in the sense that we're not being paid equitable amounts of money we're getting paid exactly what we would have been paid 15 years ago for the same job Kind of. There's no increase in our salaries, period. It's garbage. Health care, garbage. All garbage. There is an issue going on with this country where we're trying to blame it all on these poor individuals when in the end, it's the banks. Uh-huh. It's the fat cats. It's these individuals who try to say, actually, it's your fault that you're poor. It's it's your fault you can't save money because you have no money to save, actually. You know what yeah, I, mean? I mean? It's the same damn argument. So, Tim, uh-huh. I'm not trying to cut you off. I want to, I want you to speak your opinion on this, but I, want, I don't want to get off far off topic. But let's go back to the idea of the banking systems and how the majority of the time their money profits come from these stupid fees. They put rules in front of us, ladies and gentlemen. 
Rules that almost nobody, unless you're some magical business person that has a $90,000 a year accountant you're taking care of to make sure all your, your Wait eyes... Wait a are minute. Done. Okay, that's not really so I'm true. Just, These are easy to follow. I no, hardly ever get charged I'm just saying like the that. majority of people do get at least dinged once or twice a year with some stupid fee. twice a year, yeah. So I'm saying... It's not complicated. But you some people get more... You pay your some, bills on time. Some people forget or don't have the money right now. They put now. these okay, rules in fine, front of us, ladies and gentlemen, and they, they know... It's not complicated. If you have so many of these things going on at once, you're not going to be able to get every eye dotted and T crossed and because of that they're making money off of making these ludicrous stupid rules that's my opinion and on I the mean, matter my there, friend that's a, my opinion on the matter there's a reasonable place for having late fees like if you didn't have a late fee everyone would pay late and you wouldn't be able to um really be confident I that you mi- have the cash flow that you project I wouldn't from mind people's payments. being so late if it wasn't so nefarious in all the other re- realms like what, what are, what's the other nefarity Ne- nefariousness of it is the fact that people have to pay to actually get a bank account. I think that's okay. silly. That's just silly. Not even all banks make you do that. Bank of America doesn't. Do you pay for your bank account? I have to. I, I had. To, I would have to if it's a specific type of bank account. What but, specific type? So I have like a savings account and uh-huh. then a checking account. Yeah. No, no. I think I have just two checking accounts. I don't have a savings account. Why do you have account. two checking accounts? Because I, the interest rate for a savings account is jack crap. Nothing, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. But I would still have to spend money to open up that account. Okay. My checking account, I don't think has any has has even even less of an interest rate, but one percent. It goes from one percent for a savings account and 05 percent for a checking account. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And on so. I'm not making money off of my savings or uh, no, whatever, no. but I still need to put my money somewhere. With a uh-huh. checking account, however, which actually I think has more upfront use with the debit card, the online yeah, yeah, banking, yeah. and all the other uh-huh. stuff that goes with it. I don't have to pay for my specific bank to be able to use those f- services. Uh-huh. My savings account, for whatever reason, would cost me the money to do so. They're probably offloading the cost of one thing onto another thing to make up for it. Probably people are more price sensitive about checking accounts. Maybe they find that consumers just don't like having to pay for their checking account, but for whatever reason, they're okay paying a fee for their savings account. It's all stupid. So therefore, even though operating the checking account costs them money, they take a loss on the checking account and make up for it on the savings account. That could be possible. I still can't believe Equifax lost 150 million freaking half of the population of the United States. Social security numbers, Uh date of birth, uh, addresses. Oh, let me say something. Wait, hold on. Address. I want want them to know what happened. Everyone knows. No, they don't. Date of birth, address, and your name. 150 million people in the United States. All that information is now public. I hope you're happy. This is the people you entrust your personal information with. These are the people that say that, oh, it's your fault that everything bad happens in your life. They screwed it up, and now it's all out there. Well, no one Thank even you, entrusts Equifax with anything. They're a credit bureau, right? Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I would be okay with getting rid of credit scores and that sort of thing. I don't know. I think such services shouldn't be allowed. Well, I, here's just a conspiracy I have that's going on. I think they purposely let this happen because Equifax is probably in cahoots with the identity insurance companies. Uh-huh. So they purposely make it so that these things happen so that people will have to be fe- <laughs> to buy another yeah. form of insurance. Uh-huh. Okay, you see, like eh, I, identity theft, it could happen to you. Yeah, we have a we will take care of you for a hundred million dollars in insurance. Did uh-huh. you know in the past ten years, uh, you know, um. Uh, uh, identity theft has been increasing by 10, 15, 35 million percent. Well, if you buy our insurance for twenty five ninety nine a month, you will not have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. No one's ever stolen my, my identity, right? Oh, I don't think I have to worry about it. People are going to take care. Uh-huh. Nope, not at all, because mm-hmm. Equifax has just released 150 million people's identities. 
accidentally, of course. It doesn't mean that their CEO is married to our daughter. Is and that, that true? I don't even know. Oh, it's okay. true. It doesn't matter. They're all freaking inbred, freaking disgusting. They're all related one way or the other, mm. and they're all working with one another. And I mm. guarantee you that these people that drop these freaking like security breaches with all of our identity is in cahoots with the insurance co- companies that take care of the protecting your identity. That's my that's my conspiracy theory. I'm not a conspiracy yeah. theorist, but I can guarantee you that's probably. What's and I mean, going this on. doesn't mean that 153 identities have been effectively stolen. I mean, they're name, out there. Name, address, birth date. For most people, that's out there. No, not social security number. Oh, if they took the social security. That number. is it. Okay, that's significant. That, yeah, of course it's significant. That's the big piece of this. You know oh. what I mean? Do we need social security numbers? I yeah, guess we I do so. for social security. I think security. it makes life a lot easier to be able to track it. I guess you're right. It's just, we're just too big. It's just too big now. I mean, <sighs> That's a problem, too. We need to get smaller. But there's no good way for that to happen. Well, they're, go- they're, they're doing that, essentially. What's that? Well, they're... I mean, plastics. They're trying to make us all infertile. That's true. You're right. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> now we've really come full circle. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, one way or the other, they're going to get the us. They're, they're going to get, get us. us. I hate they. I hate them, too. I hate they more than you hate they. Uh, maybe. In any case... Who are they? They are those who don't want you to succeed. Hmm, interesting. Um, and I just don't like they. Okay, I don't like they either. Oh, they. They. Do you think they have a dog? I bet they do. They definitely have a dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's uh, bad as crap, that's too. A beast dog. <laughs> Probably is a banker dog. and like It's this big, like, Dalmatian, and it's fat. It's a Labrador Dalmatian. Actually, I've been watching a lot of um, 1970s Soviet propaganda animations. I can tell. Uh, no, it's just interesting. They're stylistic choices. Yeah. And uh-huh. one, of the, one of the episodes is, like, a dog becomes, like... Um, what do you call it? A, a, a capitalist? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting. Either case, Tim. David. It's always a pleasure. It's always I a pleasure. I hope our viewer, or excuse me, I hope our listeners enjoyed uh, this week's podcast. Yeah. This this, uh, this week we hit 700 uh, we did. collective views for the whole channel. I'm very excited Coming about that. Coming up on 1,000. Coming up on 1,000. It's mm. crazy to think that that is even a thing. I mean, I'm very happy with the progress. Uh, I want to c- continue to go further. We're looking into ways to advertise better. Uh, but the best way to do it, ladies and gentlemen, is just tell a friend. Yeah. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook. Uh, please like or uh, follow us. We are also on Patreon where you can donate anything if you'd like to help support the channel to help us buy some more mics that are a little bit better quality. Mm. Uh, thank you for who those are already supporting us and financially. We really do thank you for that. It's it's a lot to ask of you considering the fact that you know you could just be listening to for, for free and just the fact that you guys are willing to do that is it just it means a lot. So thank you. Uh, you can also catch us on iTunes. Please subscribe. We're also on Google Play. SoundCloud and FM play and uh, we have a promo clip every week on Uh uh, Facebook I personally do a lot of the editing for that so if you guys have a problem with it I don't want to listen to you Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no please have any suggestions please tell us all right this is Tim this is Dave and this is Tim and Dave thank you all for listening I hope you have a great rest of your week What is that? I don't know. It's our music. Oh, really? I don't know. I'm pretending we're singing our music. All right. (laughs) Bark, bark. (laughs) Bark, bark.